this very special edition of Feminist Buzzkills Live. I am Buzzkill Liz Winstead, and we are doing a show with six incredible comedians who decided to do a benefit for us in May called Bro v. Wade. Six guys, six guys who said, you know what? We want to stand up and put our voices to abortion access. And so we thought, hey, it's not just enough to stand up, do some comedy, raise some money for abortion, but you know, we wanted to talk to them about what it is that made them want to come and, and join us and stand up for abortion rights, because this is a fight that has really been shouldered by women and all people with uteruses. And when dudes show up and say, here's how I've benefited from abortion access and birth control, it, uh, it gets everybody to join in. So let's talk to these guys and find out why it is they decided to stand up for abortion access and what they have to say to men who have always said, hey, I never know what to say. Is it my issue? Is it not my issue? Hey, you know what? It's everybody's issue because it's about constitutional rights. It's about human rights. And if we're going to win this fight and defend the freedoms of everybody, then everybody has to step up. So joining me on this podcast is John Fugelsang, Dino Bidala, Josh Gondelman, John Glazer, David Cross, and Mr. Dave Hill. I'm doing these interviews backstage from the show. So if you hear wild yelling or screaming or outrageous laughter, it is because somebody that you're about to hear from is killing it on stage. So let's kick it off. He's been murdered on CSI, picketed by Westboro Baptist Church, and hosts Tell Me Everything on Sirius XM. My dear friend, a man who always says yes, the one and only John Fugelsang. John, you just... I love your humor and anyone who knows you and listens to to your show knows you your background but for those that don't tell folks your background with your parents and just your like how you were exposed to religion I, i have no memory of religion not being a part of my life um my mother before she married was a a nun um, and the convent put her through nursing school sent her to africa where she worked with lepers in the jungles of malawi my dad was a a Franciscan brother who taught history to Catholic boys in in Brooklyn at St. Francis Prep. Um, He fell in love with her and carried a torch for 10 years. Finally got her to leave and uh, they raised us out on Long Island. They never told me about their background. And then one summer when I was six, I was spending the summer with my grandma down south and she was showing me the box of photos under the bed. And in every family photo, my mom was not dressed like everybody else. And that's how I found out that she had had a life and that she had been married to Jesus before my dad, but he got heavy visitation rights, let me tell you. <laughs> and you are, you drop more knowledge and biblical knowledge. You've read the Bible, you know the Bible. You know, when we are out on the road doing all this abortion stuff, they they like to pull quote yeah. all the time from biblical shit. Yeah. And I wonder if, have you had the opportunity to... Uh, challenge them with your knowledge, like in real time ever? Because yeah. I know you know it. Yeah. Have you ever had a chance to... Just I mean, I got to debate Jerry Falwell on Bill Maher's show when I was in my 20s. 
Um, yeah, you know, they call in the Sirius XM, they go after me on social media. And, you know, nobody hates like a Christian who's just been told their hate isn't Christian. And <laughs> there's plenty of atheists out there who will say, you know, oh, well, you're, you're in a cult or you're, you know, it's all myth. And, and, and I kind of feel like, well, you're not going to, you're not going to win anybody over with that. And I don't think I'm going to win anybody over. Like, I'm not trying to convert anybody, but I know that I can reach their kids. Yeah. And I know I can reach their wives in many cases, because I know all the verses they're going to use. But the simple short version of it is the Bible's not against abortion. Uh, Jesus never mentions abortion. Jesus's religion of Judaism is not against abortion. Abortions are legal in Israel. They are free in Israel. I'm not saying that Jesus was pro-abortion rights. What I'm saying is modern right-wing Christians have elevated something Jesus never mentioned over everything he did mention. And the greatest racket the Christian right ever did is they've gotten people to vote against everything Jesus talked about by talking about abortion, which Jesus never talked about. Well, it's funny too, because you, you know, you stated perfectly, Jesus was a Jew and Jesus' own religion, you know, permits abortion. But like, so when, when we're outside of the clinics, you know, they'll always say things to me like, it says in the Bible, Even in the womb. I knew you in, in the womb or what's that, what's that one? Uh, that's uh, Jeremiah. But the context is that's God telling Jeremiah why he's different from everyone else. That's God telling Jeremiah specifically why you're special. I knew you in the womb. And, you know, God is the least pro-life character in the book. <laughs> I mean, he, he does give abortion tips if your wife is pregnant by another guy in right. Numbers chapter five. And he, you know, uh, and, and he, life begins with first breath. Time and time again, there's all these examples of it. Again, you know, I, I'm saying if you want to go ahead and try to criminalize abortion, if you want to put women in jail for this thing that's gone on for thousands of years, which will still continue once you've criminalized it. You yeah. want to put women in jail, go ahead, but take Jesus's name out of your goddamn mouth. My parents, yeah. my parents would never call themselves pro-choice ever, but they would never vote for a politician who didn't support abortion rights. And I think there's a lot of older Americans like that. Yeah. You know, it's, you have been somebody, uh, and, and, and Dean who, who's also on the pod today and whose radio show is, you know, you've been, you were the first show that we did in that basement at Bowery Electric yeah. for the Texas abortion funds when the crisis was happening 10 years ago. I remember. Right? Amy Schumer and Sarah and Leslie Gore yeah, were there. Leslie Gore. It was the whole cast of Orange is the New Black. It was incredible. And, um, you know, in thinking about where you came to understanding, because you prioritize talking about abortion rights on your show you know, it's, it's always been something that's been dear to you and, and important to you. Um, I think that for the people who don't, who are constantly like, it's not a men's issue or don't understand how men should talk about it, for example, what would you say, like wh what your inspiration is to prioritize it and how, sh how you talk about it as a man and, and what you would tell other dudes who are like, what should I say or how should I be as an advocate? You know, rape is a men's issue. Rape is never going to stop until men act like fucking stop men. Stop raping? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, in many ways, I've always thought that good guys are the problem because good guys have always been good guys and they don't know how douchebag men are. Women know what douchebags are and douchebags know what douchebags are, but good guys have always lived in a bubble where they really believe most guys act like them. And 
so when it comes to the issue of abortion, you know, my opinion as a male on the matter of abortion is that male opinions on abortion don't matter. Like, and it came from when I was a young person and I always grew up, we never talked about abortion in my house, but I knew my parents voted the way they did. But, you know, you, you grow up in a religious binary world where their only options are you're either an atheist or you're screaming at women outside clinics. I never saw my parents' spirituality represented in the media. And I always wondered, oh God, if I ever got someone pregnant, what would I, what would I do? What if I got someone pregnant? I was a teenager. I thought, what would, what would I do? What would I decide? And then I got someone pregnant. And immediately, like a revelation, I knew. I don't get to decide anything. I got to mm-hmm. support whatever she wants. And that began my journey of uh, trying to be less of a fuck up about the matter. And, you know, look, I, I say this to guys all the time who, who do the innocent life card. And, and here's the deal. People who are, I don't like the term pro-life. I don't really like the term pro-choice, but people who want to criminalize abortion. I, I don't believe they all do it because they deeply hate women. I believe they do it because they've grown up in a life where they have been mentally conditioned to believe this is virtue. That's all, right-wing Christianity isn't just criminalize abortion and pretend you're better than other people. They don't want to do any of Jesus's actual teachings. It's performative. It's all performative. Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fucking heal the sick. You, you know, you, you take care of the poor. You're, you welcome the stranger. You be kind to those in prison. You're anti-death penalty. Like, these people don't want a government based on Christian values. They want their simple little thing of criminalize abortion. That makes me a good person. And, and so I learned that, uh, along the way, okay, I'm not going to go at it from an atheist angle. I'm going to actually use the Bible. I'm going to thump the Bible thumpers with the Bible and say, go ahead and oppose it. Don't claim it's Christian. So, you know, men have to speak up about it. And I say to men all the time, would you be okay with the state having the power to force you to donate a kidney or bone marrow to a person who you're a donor match for and they will die if you don't? Should the state have the power to take over your body autonomy to save a life? And if you don't think the state should have that power, then think about what you're asking women to go through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. And... um one of the things I'm asking everybody on the pod, so I'm going to start with you, Uh-oh. and that is um, <laughs> one of the reasons I just firmly believe that abortion is and birth control are men's issues is that I do not know uh, a single woman who hasn't shouldered the cost of birth control yeah. in the relationship. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask you, John Fugelsang, and every man sitting in the chair, how much money have you saved uh, on birth control? And how has that benefited you uh, as a dude in the world? Well, I mean, I'll never know how much I saved, but I will tell you that after, as a teenager, I got someone pregnant. Uh, For the rest of my life, I assumed the birth control was 100% the man's responsibility. Wow. Yeah, and I've never had expectations of a woman to provide it. But again, that was me thinking I was a good guy. And it wasn't until years later I learned, oh no, there, <laughs> a lot of guys don't do that. It took women telling me that guys just expect women to be on the pill or to have an IUD. And like, yeah. it's an expectation of men. So I realized, right. oh, here I thought I was being all virtuous, but I was fooling myself because I was blind to the reality that so many women have to live in. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Now you know the reality is John Fugel saying, 
You're a national treasure. Awesome. I love being on your show. I love having I you on my you show. So I love doing. By the way, what a, a, actually being able to talk to you on this show. What a crowd you have. I mean, thank it, you. It's very fun, and thank you. And you know what? We're in this fight together, and I know that I can always count on you, and I appreciate that. I want to tell everyone that Liz was just on my show, and now my SiriusXM show is available as a podcast, so you can hear my recent conversation with Liz, where we talk about totally different stuff from this on the John Fugelsang podcast on Stitcher and Apple and Google, and I got a plug-in. See that? You look at that. You're so good. Pretty slick. Thank I, you, my listen, love, for I, doing I, this. I love you. I've worked with Liz for over 20 years. I, I knew Liz pre-Daily Show, and I would do anything for this lady. And thank you and for I all for you, you do. You, you always make it entertaining first and, and, and preachy last. And that's, Billy Wilder said, if you're going to tell people the truth, make it funny or they'll kill you. And you remind me of that all the time. Oh my God, that is such a good quote. I want to get that tattooed. Right. Oh my God. Love you, John. Thank you, Liz. Thanks. Fugelsang, you're the best. Always showing up. Host of the Dean Obidala show on Sirius XM and someone who I love so much because he was in the very first show we ever did for Texas abortion funds 10 years ago. He always shows up. I always love being on his show. So it's really great to have him on this pod. Please welcome Dean Obadala. Dean, it's so fun to have you in my neck of the woods, actually backstage at the show that you just performed at. I am so happy to be here. I'm honored that you asked me to be part of it. I was part of your first one, as you reminded me. And there was never, it's a cause that I think it should transcend women. It should transcend everyone. This is human rights. So I'm here. Well, and I think something that we, I'm on your show quite a bit, which I'm so thankful for. And, you know, we often talk about how this has become this Christian nation decision mm-hmm. with which those who have um, an ideology and an entire worldview, whether it is what we teach our kids in school, how we talk about abortion, all of that um, comes from this oppressive spot that you, as a non-Christian, mm-hmm. um I think you express it and articulate it better than most, you know, just the rage that you feel around it. Well, I do because the right wing that is now trying to turn their religion into law for years demonized the Muslim community and said, we want to turn religion into law, the Sharia law. And that they literally introduced hundreds of pieces of legislation and a bunch passed over the years in the 2000s to ban what they called foreign law. And that was a target us. And the result was there was hate crimes against our community because they'd be legislators on the floor going, and these Muslims are not patriotic. And they wanted, and then Herman Cain and Newt Gingrich, Rick Santorum, others made it a big issue. So to me, it's personal now because we were not trying to impose our religion. They were, they were plotting what they were doing. So they assume we were like them. We're not. We're Americans. We believe that the church and state should be divided. So to me, it is personal because it was a personal impact on our community. In not just words, in terms of hate crimes against yeah. us and stigmas against our community. And that's how oppressors act. You know, I have personally been in a, an abusive relationship and the suspecting nature of what I was going out to do was pure projection. And so I'll never forget, like, and I think people do forget that Peter King, Congressman Peter yeah. King, held hearings mm-hmm. to literally say, should Muslims be able to work in our government? I went to, I, I was sent by an organization. They had someone stand in the line and I went to it to write about it. And the, one of the hearings on radicalization, and I remember vividly, and then at the time, Congressman Keith Ellison, who was the first 
a Muslim elected from my state, from your state, Minnesota, who literally cried while testifying about a Muslim American who ran on a 9-11 and lost his life. He was a rescue guy. And then they smeared him that somehow he was involved with the terrorist attacks and because he was Muslim. So Congressman King didn't care about keeping people safe. It was about ginning up fear for their base because it played really well. And maybe King sincerely thought Muslims want to attack America and destroy America because of 9-11. But the data didn't back it up and he didn't care what we said because we, Muslim community, tried to reach out to his team and his staffers and go, can we meet with him? He didn't want to meet with us. He didn't want to know us. He just wanted to demonize us. It's so wild. So this issue of abortion, mm-hmm. you have been profoundly supportive, really um, bringing it up, centering it on your show. Um, what what makes you different than the myriad of men who don't talk about it on their shows? Like, what is it that propels you? I don't know why they don't talk about it. The idea that you're going to impose your religious, we'll put in air quotes, but they believe it's their religious beliefs as a law of land, first of all, is offensive to me, uh, every fiber of my body. Second, the arrogance of telling women that you can't control your destiny, such as your body, it's your destiny to me, inherently gets my Sicilian, I'm half Sicilian blood boiling, I'm all half Arab, half Sicilian, and that it's fundamentally, it's a level of arrogance that makes, it's, I think it's in violation of the First Amendment. The very First Amendment says that Congress should not establish a law respecting a religion. They are literally respecting, they're establishing a religion as law. So there's a legal thing as a lawyer that upsets me, viscerally. And I'm from Jersey, and we're Jersey liberal, and Jersey liberalism is this. Don't bother people. Let them live their life. You know, that's sort of like Jersey. There's not like penumbras. <laughs> it's not intellectual liberalism. But the Fourth Amendment, if you trace it through time, it's like, why do you got to bust these people chops? Whatever it might be, marriage equality. We're in favor of marriage equality. In New Jersey, people think I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, come from blue-collar parents. Well, why? It was sort of like this liberalism of let people live their life. And that's what I want people to do. But this to me is, it's abusive. Women will die. They know women will die. They call us baby killers. They are women killers because their forced birth will mean more women have to carry it to term, increasing mortality. They know that they don't, they don't give a shit. Like this is, the level of arrogance to me and oppressiveness is un-American, and I find it despicable. Yeah, and you know, you touched on something that I've been in this fight for a really long time, and I wake up every day, you know, thinking it's just more people know than more people will, you know, can be concerned and want to join the fight. And after the Alito leak came out, uh-huh. I really never felt less valued and had that I had less value. And so having men stand up and say, I I can take a stand. I do have a voice. What would you say to to dudes who are like, ah, it's not my issue? Like, it's not a woman's issue. It's a human rights issue. If they will take away the right of women to control their body, do the men out there actually think they're not coming for us on things to take away from us that they don't approve of? Whatever it might be, they don't approve of. From the books we read, to the people we love, to the people you want to be, they will take it away. If you're willing to take from slightly over half the population their fundamental right to control their body, nothing is off the table. And I hope that people understand that with so many times for years, people are like, oh, Roe v. Wade, they're going to overturn. And they thought it was an empty threat. And I always wondered, will they? As a lawyer myself, I'm like, they probably will defer. It'll be 15 weeks. They'll cut it down to. But no, they're saying we're going right to the core. So everything we say, 
is based on their language. And I hope people take them literally because they mean it literally. They plan, they push to it, and that's what they're working towards. So it'll continue. Banning more books, banning transgender teens from living, living their life, annulling marriage equality. I went back and looked at Rick Santorum's comments in 2012 when he was running. He goes, we should annul in the states where there is marriage already equality. Yeah. They would go back and annul that. And again, for men, at some point, they're going to come for your rights, your ability, to, who you love, who, the way you pray, if you don't pray the right way. There's no limit. That's, this is a fight for freedom. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. So I like to wrap up. I'm asking every guy the same question. One mm-hmm. of the reasons that I like to just remind dudes why this is a men's issue is that every woman that I've ever talked to, everyone, not just some, everyone has completely shouldered the price of birth control in the relationships, right? Mm -hmm. So, Dean, let me ask you, how much money have you saved on birth control? (laughs) Because somebody has been forking it out in the relationship. I imagine it's unquantifiable. (laughs) Thousands and thousands of dollars. And that's why we should have birth control covered by everyone's insurance. That's why the Hyde Amendment should be annul it, get rid of it. It's a a religious edict, so let's annul it so that government can fund women's right to control their own destiny. That's right. But it's absolutely true. I've never once in all the relationships in my life, ever, unless I was buying condoms, but barring that, never once said, hey, should I chip in for your birth control? It didn't even occur to me, to be honest. That's right. And so men's destinies have been tied up in women forking out the cost of birth control. So I'm just going to be we throwing, it. I'm going to be, you. I was, yeah, be throwing it out there occasionally throughout the whole podcast. I, that's great. I, Dean, uh, thank you so much for being thanks. such a champ. Sure. Thank you, my friend. It's, and it's great to be on yours. And I'll, thank you always for coming on my show. I always love it. Ugh, I love all these guys. This next comedian and author is the head writer and executive producer for Desus and Miro. It is Josh Gondelman. Mr. Gondelman. Hello. Hilarious. Thank you. As always. Um, I'm so curious as to especially, you know, with your work on, you know, Desus and Mero, like, how has the world (laughs) affected how you guys are? How do you even decide at this point what you're going to talk about? I mean, with Desus and Mero, so... I I come from like a pretty 180 previous job in terms of like how the show is built, you know, from the from the ground up. And so with Jesus and Mero, I think we start a little more with like, where is there like an angle that we can dig in and kind of hammer what's funny? And I think we try to do a little less than some of the late night shows of like explaining something like we try to let like the news footage that we're that the guys are riffing on do the explaining. And if it doesn't do it well enough then it's like oh well then this isn't the segment for us this week you know like i think we're not like Jesus and marrow are are really brilliant at like incisive commentary and like really heartfelt thoughtful hilarious ideas and and takes on things but they're not doing the kind of like what you think of as like a daily show or a john oliver or a seth meyers like we're going to walk you through from beginning to end and like expose this hypocrisy like we're going to find this and then we dug up this other clip and um and when i worked for for john oliver that that was like a much bigger part of the construct of a piece where this is just like find the thing and let Jesus and Mero kind of run wild dunking on what's like ridiculous about it well and i think that it's like as as the landscape of um 
informational comedy shows. I, yeah. I don't know what else to call them, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as that landscape expands, I think it's crucial to find a niche. Yeah. So that it doesn't feel like that's another show like totally. that. Totally. And I think so many shows, like, you can see it in the way they find their lane, like, with Amber Ruffin. There's, like, a real musical variety element that she brings to even, like, the real um, serious issue stuff that, re- that like, makes it really um, engaging and compelling and funny. And then... Sam Jay is like mm-hmm. such a such a brilliant conversationalist. And I think like that gets at um issues in the news that way. And so I think Jesus and Merrill really bring like the, the, as as people, uh, you know, and and we re- try to reflect in how we make the show, just like a really candid, sharp, um, unflinching, like just like they'll just say what they think. And I think that that is like really powerful and and really funny i mean they're they're just so fucking funny they're just so funny and they're so improvisational and i think it there's like a real like joy to seeing two guys just be like like when when they want to just be like yeah fuck that they they'll just say that you know what i mean and there's no like proving the case of like why it's justified to say fuck that it's like everyone at home is feeling fuck this guy we can say fuck this guy and i uh, and i Sometimes I think that everyone tries to be too clever by half too often. Mm-hmm. And w- when a situation calls for, fuck that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think that there is like really something to the idea of like build. I mean, like I think like with Oliver and 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 that staff, they do such a great job building these like airtight, researched, hilarious, long form pieces. And I think that that's like really something of entertainment value and something that is like it really communicates to people in a in a way that is like thorough and like when you you watch a piece that they do you go oh this is something that I can remember when I talk to somebody about this and, and I think so that flavor is also really like valuable mm-hmm. and, and, and you know I think that's kind of like where Seth does with a closer look and and closer you closer to what Trevor does on the daily show as well yeah. but it's also just fun to be like uh be like yeah, th- this guy's a piece of shit and we don't have to, I don't have to justify, like, you know why and I don't have to prove to you. And if somebody's like, uh, oh, prove that he's a piece of shit, you can be like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm cursing so much, but I feel like that's in the style of the show. I feel like you're totally fine. Okay, so in talking about, like, it, it, that's a good dovetail into what we do, which is try to tackle... One of the hardest topics. Yeah. And using humor to do it, exposing hypocrisy. Also, like, smashing the stigma around abortion. Yeah. And, and, and talking about abortion in a framework that hasn't been done before. All of the framing around abortion has basically been set up yes. by the anti-abortion people, right, right? Right, 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 And so the fact that, like, I love, this is the second time you've done something for us. You know, you did that great... Instagram. We did the live, yeah, the live stream yep. show, yeah, and it was, and I'm so appreciative. Like I always, when I'm asking dudes, like, and we want to do the show because it's like, I think it's important for people to see men, yeah, say, I'm here because this is important to me. Tell me why it is that you're like, yes, a hundo, I'm standing up and I'm coming for abortion. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like an issue that that is that touches on so many like intersectional components of human rights between like healthcare and economic uh, freedom. And like, it just, it really feels like an issue that, that like being forced to give birth is such a um, onerous and I would imagine like traumatic experience and, and risky for health. And so 
it just feels to me that this is something that's like a really important issue that like is so viscerally important to the people that it touches on in terms of like it it could it's life changing in in literally every instance right and so um i want to be clear and and you know not foreground myself in this conversation I, this conversation it's just you and me but yes. like the bigger conversation yeah. you know i i think that it's really important and like to champion stuff like the work that you do and like i i said on stage even like Allison Libby's solo show is like so incredible it's so and incredible. like for me to you know stand up for something like this tonight and to like point people towards her work that might otherwise to point people towards your work to point people towards her work that to me feels like the the function that i can serve to be like look i'm here to be supportive and like you know contribute to abortion funds and um it, it just is like such a clear cut issue of like people in a hypocritical way like we're talking before like um trying to take away human rights and it just is so grotesque and and the this suffering and harm that that causes is so immediately visible and so like horrible to see. Yeah, you're right. And I think that it's like there's been a disservice I think for a long time and maybe disservice is the wrong word but you know, it was just like viscerally at the beginning sort of of this movement it was just like men shut up this yeah. is the thing and we're going to do it and then realizing that we can't do this alone sure it, it's a it's it's not a you know when oppression happens those who are against that oppression should stand up for it right mm-hmm. and so we haven't figured out great tools to get men involved i've had so many dudes say what should I do? Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do. And so instead of me answering that question, I want to, I want to throw that question to you. Sure. What would you say if dude said, Hey, I, what should I do to get involved and like be a presence in the movement around abortion access and rights? I mean, it feels to me like the, the kind of quietest way that is in this issue. So helpful is like donate to local abortion funds, right? That's like such a, a concrete step that you can take that will uh that will better people's lives but there's also there's so much stuff there's like clinic escorting mm-hmm. right that's like a mm-hmm. thing that that is helpful to do that's not just like a person being loud and taking up oxygen in the room um i, I mean those are like a couple places to start that's and so I, and then i think like you know asking the the people in in your life who who are doing the work like what support do you need you know mm-hmm. i i think that that's like really helpful rather than I, I think like there's a lot, especially the past few years of people who are in, in across the board being like, how, how do I make myself helpful? How do I make myself useful to this cause or that cause? And I think instead of like, just kind of like shooting Yosemite Sam style bullets of helpfulness into the sky to like, see who, you know, that's doing the work or that who, who they know that's doing the work. Yeah. And then, and just like, offer support and it's like a little bit more it's a little bit humbling to not go like i know how to handle this but to like really go like i please like i trust your expertise this person in your life like not just you know like you're saying you don't always want to be prescriptive to people but i'm sure everybody knows somebody that cares about this yeah and and that has their causes that they work with or contribute to and so i think like asking asking 
for help helping is like always a good move rather than just like, I got this. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I think that it's just like being a presence, I think now too, um, is important. Physically showing up, yeah. escorting, or even like if you hear there's a march, you know, finding an organization to yeah. march with and saying, you know, can I help carry signs? Yeah. Can I help, you know, be part of right. a group? Because the anti-abortion movement has tons of men in it. Yeah. And like men, and to show a different way to be, to show a different way of masculinity that is supportive of other people mm-hmm. and to just be humanistic. Totally. Right? Instead of having these like weird patriarchal roles. Yeah. I think is super important. And then I think also, I mean, I don't, not to like caveat things to death, but it's like, I think there's also that idea of like, there are men, like trans men for whom this mm-hmm. is like a personal issue. That's and so right. like to say like, this is not an issue that affects men, I think like, or, it, or that men have to think about like really different flattens. for cis men and trans yeah, men for, for sure, sure. Yep. and so like I think thinking about that is also that's like really helpful uh, like to me to be like oh there are lots of different ways that this affects people of all genders yep. and like it is I think incumbent upon people of all genders to like contribute to you know to to help out in ways that feel helpful and not like I find performative to be like a little bit of a like gaudy word but like that aren't just for a show yeah you know what I mean to help out in ways that like because sometimes I think it is helpful to be a little performative to be like public about what you're doing it's very important because I think when men stand with women and anybody who needs abortion you know it just shows that it puts it in a human rights space yes and a constitutional rights space that is different than we've seen. Right. And it makes it feel a little less like, um, like this is an issue that's siloed off that you don't, that we're not asking for your, your not only are we not asking for your opinion, but we, you, you're not required to care about it. Right. Yes. And so like, I think kind of figuring out quiet, but visible ways to be helpful and to be, again, to be supportive of this, the work that's being done yeah. kind of on the ground as, as that's where I try to go. I think that's wise. I think, I think what I'm getting, and I think that um, I have one more question, then we'll wrap. Please. Is um, offer yourself up and people will guide you. Yeah. And I think that that's like, whether it's abortion access front, whether it's the abortion funds, and I think that's going to be key. All right. So one of the things that I think is crucial about why this is important to men is that women have shouldered the role in, in hetero relationships, for sure, of birth control Mm -hmm. and that has benefited men sure from pursuing their own destiny sure so what are you going to do with the money you've saved on the birth control you didn't have to buy mr josh gondelman moving forward great question um (laughs) i mean i think contributing to groups like this and to local funds is great uh i did one time someone i was dating i did offer to go 50 50 on their birth control yes. while we're dating and i was flatly turned down what yep so wow. i will say i don't mean to pat myself on the back but this person did not make it easy for me to to be a financial contributor to that particular cause in that instance that is <laughs> unbelievable you're the first man i've ever heard that and you know i love that that happened and that person should have thought a little bit harder yes <laughs> yes would have been a better avenue hey look i 
I just felt like, again, I was reaping 50% of the benefits. You know what you are understanding? This is why you're on the show, Mr. Man, because you. you understand completely. Josh Gondelman, thank you. Thank you, Liz. Very nice to see you. You too. My next guest is one of the three dudes who was actually in our very first benefit we ever did for the Texas Abortion Funds back in 2012. He's a comedian, actor, musician, author. His latest comedy special, The Pride of Cleveland, on 800 Pound Gorilla Records. Ugh, one of my faves. It's Dave Hill. Dave Hill, I love that you did this show because the very first show we did, we were in another crisis point for abortion. It was when Texas put that massive ban and all but seven clinics closed, and we did an emergency fundraiser for the abortion funds in Texas in a basement yep. in the East Village in New York, and you were our musical I, director. It was, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And and so and you always say yes. And I'm and I think one of the one of the things that I loved about all of the men that performed in the shows is um there's a fearlessness about all of you, and there is a you just don't give a shit because why I think is something that I love. And so why is it that when we talk about abortion, you're like, I don't give a shit about what anyone thinks I'm stepping up. I mean, I've, I, there's probably a few reasons, but I mean, just basic, first of all, do in in terms of speaking out or, you know, doing the show was literally the least I could do. The bare minimum. The bare minimum is come out and, and do a show. And, I mean, that's, that's the very least I could do. And, but in terms of uh, speaking up about it, uh, which I'm always surprised that people even mention that I do, because I'm like, what, I, why, why wouldn't literally everybody? I think it's weird not to speak about basic uh, human rights. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, my reasons are obvious, you know, all the, things everyone knows is you know and some you can't tell anyone to do with their body but then come as like you know being raised fully in like the catholic pro-life you know and i was like a little kid i was just like pro-life yeah you know because that's what you're raised you did know? you ever have to go like in buses like did they ever bus you to like events and rallies i've talked to a lot of people who at catholic school they get buses and take him to clinics or take him to... I don't remember ever, like, being on the, you know, the front lines of that. It wouldn't surprise me if there's, like, I was dragged to something and just didn't know and was, like, promised hot chocolate or something. I don't know. But, you know, but I, I think even if you are on that absolutely stupid side of things, the fact is when you restrict access... I mean, I'm just telling you things everyone you know more than anyone is just like i and when people dm me by the way the amount of dms i get from people like wanting to fight with me about this all, which are always dudes without exception um is you know is what i say to them I'm like look if you really are pro-life then you should want safe and legal access to abortion because more people live that way like the stats is not anything i'm making up to the stats you know yeah and it's so there for to pick whatever side you want to look at it from both sides should be fully on board with keeping abortion 
safe and legal for everyone because that supports both sides arguments 1000%. Yep. So that's a good point. I like it. Um, one question I'm asking everybody is, um, part of the reason that we want to do this show with a bunch of men is that all the women that I know, all of them have shouldered the cost of birth control for the most part in relationship. Mm -hmm. And even if people split the cost of an abortion, you know, the woman still had to go have the abortion. So yeah. tell me about, uh, what do you suppose if you could ballpark it for me, Dave, how much money you saved, have I saved? by not paying for birth control? Oh, I mean, gosh, I mean, who can even speculate? 75 bucks each. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, tons. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. It's hard. That's really out of such, I mean, how do you answer that question? If I say a lot, it's like, you know, saying, you know, bragging or something. You know? Well, it's just a way for me to say, oh, it seems like you should be doing more benefits for us. <laughs> I'm, I would literally, uh, whatever you want, you know, I'm, ha whatever, however I can help out. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always, you know, on a very selfish level, as you know, my beliefs in this issue aside, I'm always just happy to get out of the house and see my friends. You guys bought me dinner. Like, I mean, I honestly approach most things in life from like a five-year-old's perspective, even my politics. Are Do just, I get to stay up late? And is there yeah, free food? Every, yeah, it's everything. I got drink tickets. Everything is, there's cookies out there. And it, it, I can't believe we're, uh, we're dealing with the things that we're dealing with uh, in 2022. And again, I, you know, and I'm sure like, you know, John Fugelsang and whoever else will say it, but when you uh, couldn't, I mean, I don't th I mean, think he's the same way, but we couldn't possibly have been raised more Catholic than, I mean, forget it. And so when you look at the countries that, have all these fucking backwards bullshit things going on. It's always the fucking Catholics. Always. And why are we following in their footsteps? It just seems crazy. Absolutely nothing. There's the church, you know, I'm not even, I don't Then we're going down the whole thing. But really, besides the architecture and the free donuts, burn it all down. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to let you go. But the one thing. Yeah, I know, thing, I'm just giving you some pat. No, you're being great. <laughs> you're being amazing. Um, but if, if you were to say to dudes who are like, um, I don't know. Should I step up? Like, it doesn't seem like it's my issue. Like, what advice would you say when a guy says, this isn't my issue? It, it absolutely. In, unless you truly don't believe it in it. And then I was, I was another conversation we need to have. But I, it's just like you, as a human being, like, this is what I hate. You know, people are saying, like, Ugh. you know, the people that DM me on social media and so we're like, you know, you're a comedian, stay out of politics. This isn't even for, I mean, it's not even politics. It's just being a human being like. Uh, also, tell Zelensky that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just. Oh, it's, I just think you can't. It, it's convenient and super easy as a, as a dude to just not say or do anything. And you can, you know, just shut up and like, but it's bullshit. I, and I think, and, you know, people will say to me, like, why do you say stuff, you know, because, you know, 
you're gonna lose fans it's like I, I don't give a fuck like i don't care like i'll go i don't give a fuck about even my career clearly <laughs> i mean anyone who sees what i do knows that i don't give a fuck about it. like but i you know i just think it's a stupid way to to not to not speak out about things when you're like worried about uh, it's like i just i don't know i haven't really answered your question but it just seems so simple to me to just speak out and and it's uh it's it's not it's we're uh, the whole thing is it's guys uh they're causing these pregnancies i mean 100 percent of the time so well statistically speaking it's always there's always a guy that causes this pregnancy yeah so i mean how can it really i mean and there you know the, I mean, there's nothing i can say that hasn't been said but obviously you know if it were men that were getting pregnant obviously we wouldn't we wouldn't need this we wouldn't be here tonight because abortions would be a sacrament it would be a sacrament it would do high fives all around you you would get an abortion and go out for beers. Cool ranch abortions. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> on tap. Absolutely. Abortions on tap. Yeah, it'd be like, oh man, you, you got to meet my friend Danny. He's had so many fucking abortions. This guy rules. In fact, the abortion bowl. I can't wait. Where who's ever coming to my abortion bowl party? Yeah. Um, we're gonna make some wings. It's gonna uh, be great. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure everyone else will give you better more articulate you know what you gave a very good answer. i i you were very honest and you know what it's like just by coming and showing up sometimes it's like when it's when it's inside your dna to just show up for people sometimes you feel like it's almost hard to find the words because it's like because you should yeah i don't know i mean i i i yeah i don't it's and it it's easy to, you know, if there's something you believe in, it's really easy to just say yes and help. Like, truly the easiest thing I could do is I didn't do anything. I'm going to show up and do what I do for a living and what I would do for fun if I wasn't doing it for a living, you know? So it's I'm truly it's the least I could do. Well, thank you for doing it to of protect course. abortion access. We need thank, you. Thank you for talking to me. This guy is the comedian that I've known the longest. He's a comedian, actor, and you can check out his latest comedy special, I'm from the Future. You know him for Mr. Show and Arrested Development. It is national treasure, David Cross. David Cross, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, I know you get asked to do a million things, and abortion's just this odd thing that we get no's more than we get yeses. Uh, when why do, do you think that, that is? I think that I think that people sometimes haven't unpacked their own feelings around how they hmm. want to be public about abortion, or I think a lot what, of. What do you say? I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. what, are you talking about comedians or? I'm, just, I'm talking about like comedians. Sometimes I'm That's talking about to me. people in general are like, oh, some musicians have said like, I don't want the hassle. Like they've, hassle. I've had people say things to me like, I've seen what you get online and I just don't know if I want to like have to deal yeah. with that. And I'm like, whatever, I get it. Um, and I guess I just don't care really if I get the hassle because who are those people? Yeah, well, that's the difference. It's not, it's whether you care or not. Right. Like, yes. Whether you, whether a stranger posts something, well, mute them or something. Yeah. Or you block can... them or whatever. Like, <laughs> what's the issue? 
I know it's very funny, and I th- I think that I don't know what it is actually, but like the fact that you you like it was fun because we had a list of ten guys that we wanted to do it. Um, everybody said yes in our first six, and we didn't yeah. even get to ask all ten, so that was pretty cool. But tell me why it is that you're like I'm totally fine with this. I'm here. I'm doing it. I'm coming. Well, I think there's two ways to answer that. One is my personality and my makeup. I mean, I don't really uh, shy away from if I have an opinion, I have an opinion, and uh, I'll state it. If I can defend it, I'll state it. And um, I don't care what other people think in in that sense. Uh, uh, I've already established who I am. It's not like I'm going to lose work or or potential work because of it. So I think that's one way to answer it. And then the other is it's a thing I feel uh, uh, like many things that are happening, something I feel passionate about. And it's, uh, um, you know, I I don't have a lot of like, I grew up with a mother and uh Two sisters and I am, you know, surrounded by feminists. It's not even that. It's just, well, that's the that's a wrong thing and that's a right thing, and I'm going to do something to make the wrong thing right. I think that that is that is a that makes me happy because, like, it, it's funny cause when you say that. It's like, well, I have daughters, and it's like, did it take, did it take you to yeah. have daughters? I, I, to I mean, understand I understand that. There are so many people, it's it's unfortunate, it's just part of life, and uh, particularly the politicians, uh, who um, will be anti-something, and then they'll be affected by that thing personally, uh, or a loved one is, and then they come around to the other view, unless you're Steve Scalise, who gets <laughs> his anti-gun you know, laws, and then gets shot, and is still, <laughs> he's so... Talk about a cult. Well, you and, know, people, like, the thing about Steve Scalise is that <laughs> before crazy. the whole gun, Steve Scalise got shot thing, people forget that he was busted for being at a Klan meeting, and he said that he happened upon it unbeknownst yeah. to him. And it's like, the signs are pretty clear at a yeah. Klan meeting. Yeah, they, sometimes you're having a picnic in the park, and they pop up around you, and, you know, it's... Your foot Who hurts. Knew? Maybe your foot hurts, and you can't get uh, out of there as quickly you as know, you might. Lyft can be yeah. a bitch that mm-hmm. didn't show up in time, and all of a sudden, before well, the you lift can't drive on the grass, Liz. Oh, come on. You're right. I am. I am. I am. I am again. Just placing him in yeah. a place that he didn't want. Um, it's it's pretty. It's getting pretty scary, as you know, and um, we're gonna probably lose abortion rights for sure. In for 30 million people, you know, in 26 there, states. There's a, there's a, I suppose, uh, silver lining is, is maybe it's, maybe that's, uh, applicable here, but I do think, I hope, uh, and, and maybe it's misguided optimism, but I don't think so, but I, I do think it's almost a blessing in disguise. It could be the thing as we've gone on this march towards autocratic, theocratic fascism, undeniable. Um, it could be the thing that stops that. 
it, it it really could. I mean, it's we'll see. I mean, what's what what? Uh, I don't know if the governor of Oklahoma signed the bill that uh, he's signing it imminently. Yeah, it would be like on Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. He would be signing. But if that happens, I mean, it's it, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And uh, and of course, I think twenty six states have the trigger to. Uh, in in various ways, uh, I don't know if they'll be as extreme as the Oklahoma fetal. What what, what it was? No, it was the fr- uh, fertilization. Fertilization, which <laughs> which and and the thing that's so interesting about fertilization. that fertilization, it's what? not even a pregnancy. <laughs> so the, he's basically banned abortion it's, before it's, you're pregnant. Yeah, it's wild, it's, right? So I'm you know. Do you, do you share that at all? Here's that the sense? thing. I I share that hope. I have to be honest, my fear is, what if this shit happens and it doesn't motivate people? Yeah. You know, that's, that's and that's my course. heartbreak. And I of don't, course. and I yeah, don't want to think the worst in people, but I do feel like, Well, look, fuck. you had, you had people who said they wouldn't, perf- you know, perform per- right. or lend their name. Yeah. To, you know, so. And it's like, it, if not now, when? And it's like, I just kept thinking about like. All the ifs, like Georgia and Alabama and like the states that we've gone to and, you know, and seen the desperation. And I'm hoping that now that the media finally talks about it and that people and well, maybe they're going to. The media. The I don't. I mean, I don't really count on them because. Risable. I mean. There's they also were derelict in talking about it for so long that they're talking about it like oh, every, in I really mean, terrible in ways. Yeah. Always. Um, so. And maybe the real world effect of it will have people fundamentally understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that having men stand up and stand with folks in a way where it's like, it used to be sort of, it felt right for people to say, this is for women to decide and we're going to let them decide. And it's like, well. I, I haven't heard that. I, I haven't, um, I mean, I don't hang in your circles but i have not heard that that makes me happy that you haven't heard it because we've heard it a bunch like i don't know i i don't i guess it's like i don't know what to do because i'm not i'm not directly affected means i don't want to be involved or shouldn't be involved and i think Mm -hmm. that i feel like a lot of times the movement has done disservice to say to dudes like hey could you help us out by doing xyz and just asking men i think that we haven't done it enough. Hmm. And I think that I'm hoping that's going to change. And I'm hoping that men are going to say, you know what? Yeah. Whatever you, you need. You should feel no compunction about asking people and, and shaming them if they don't. <laughs> I think you know? shaming them if they don't is been very effective, quite frankly. Um, and I think moving forward, what would you say to dudes who were like, mm, I don't know. Is it a priority for me? I mean, I I don't, you know, what are you supposed to say at this point that hasn't been said, that's not obvious, that it it feels to me, it would be akin to having that conversation that people want you to have, and uh, like, we need to be civil to um, Nazis, and uh, and I don't, it's, I, I don't, it's not quite the same thing, but it's the idea of what am I going to do? How am I going to engage this person at this point with all the information possible? Like, I guess, like, and the anti-vaxxers, you're not, mm-hmm. you're supposed to, uh, 
say this thing and not don't mention this and don't tell them how you feel, but mention these. Th- and does it really work? I don't know. Sometimes, I don't think so. I don't know. You know, we've been talking a lot about just like how birth control and abortion have benefited everybody. And, you know, I think yeah. that like just. Well, except for the white race. Except for the white race. Liz, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this one. This this is no, but this is rooted in white nationalism. Oh, one hundred percent. And and people need to be aware of that. That's what this is about. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been interesting because through our touring um, and getting, we we go to towns for like four or five days, and we we do some kind of sort of Jimmy Carter public works thing at the clinic, these mm-hmm. small clinics, you know, we'd redo their gardens and, mm-hmm. and get to know the, the activists there. And we, we started collecting all the names of the anti-abortion extremists from all of them because they all had disparate stories. Mm-hmm. And through the course of the last five years, we amassed the largest database of anti-abortion extremism that exists. And so... Those intersections are real. We started following them and joining their churches. And they are this, they are the one percenters. They are the oath keepers. Mm -hmm. They're holding children's gun camps to preserve Christianity. Yeah, yeah. And when January 6th happened, we identified 30 of them at the insurrection. Right. These pro-life fucking fuckers. And so it's, it's the roots are so deep in white nationalism that it's, undeniable and so getting folks to work together i think is the is the biggest thing right you know the folks who are trying to like tamp down on white supremacy and have like we, here's our bad guys do they uh-huh. match the bad guys on your oh, list the, the venn diagram i think is it's just well, a circle it's uh yeah it's <laughs> right just now. all of it's all in one <laughs> circle it's yes. a big circle <laughs> for sure um so question for you that i've been asking everybody um is Part of what we know to be true is historically, and you might be different, and every guy that I've talked to tonight has been different on this continuum, is by default, um, if they've had female partners, um, it was just a given that the female partner would pay for the birth control. They just kind of did it. And that's just the way it went. Is that your experience in your world where like... No, um, no, no. You shared it? You were a sharer of cost on birth control? Um, I mean, not if it was the pill, but I haven't had, uh, it just never came up. Uh, and although that is to say that I never offered, but there, uh, I mean, a diaphragm was already in place and Mm -hmm, purchased mm -hmm. IUD, uh, sponge. Remember the sponge? Oh my God. We're of an age. The sponge. We're of an age. Yeah. Um, you know, condoms were either she got them or I got them or, you know, or I had them or. You know, we're talking about different types of relationships, too. Were they just, you know, for a night? Was it for right. four months? Was it for three years? You know, but I don't, um, I never offered like, hey, I'll pay for uh, half of that birth control. Yeah. It, just didn't, it just didn't occur to me. It didn't occur to anybody. Yeah. And it didn't even, like, in, in talking to women and guys, it was like, and we all, the women but are... But, you know, to be fair to myself, I constantly wanted to impregnate women. So why <laughs> should I cover but like, that But cost? we were like, why is it that we never sat down and had conversations with our partners to be like, you know, birth control 
was kind of expensive. Do you mind yeah, splitting I never, it? I never did. We never did either. But to, if look, I can I know myself enough to know if somebody brought that up, I'd be like, oh yeah, gosh, of right. Course. And yeah. that's what we said too. It's like, yeah. why did we shoulder the cost of that? And 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 so so the, my message is, you know, we've that's that's one way you can look at it as a dude. It's like benefiting. We all benefit from birth control and abortion. Everybody gets to have their destiny, pursue shit. Um, it's good. That's one way. If you think about it, you should step up. Anything you want to say, Dave, to folks? Uh, no. Okay, great. Thank you for doing the show. And thank you for, honestly, you are somebody who has just, is such resolve in who you are and has always used that to like defend the right thing. I just, Last night, and I can't believe it took me till last night, I finally watched the Crimmins documentary. Oh, gosh. And yeah. you were great. It was... I watched that twice. It, it was, was uh, just filled me full of, like, just joy and rage and sadness and, like, yeah. beauty and just to see him and all y'all. And how about, what a job Bobcat, Bobcat did. Bobcat did. I mean, I mean the laying out of the information where... It starts off this way, and then it sort of takes a turn, and then halfway through, there's that gut punch in the stomach where you're like, "What the yeah. fuck?" Yeah, and then it's, oh man, what a, it was! A, it was a really good documentary. It's a really good documentary, and I bring it up only because, like, when you think of somebody who is was fearless, L- and Liz is uh, referring to "Call Me Lucky." Thank you, uh, "Call Me Lucky." The, Documentary about documentary just, about Bo- uh, Barry Crimmins, a, a, a hero to so many people, an amazing man, and uh, a documentary that Bobcat Goldthwait. That's did. right, incredible political yeah. comedian and truth teller, and, and, and just tireless person. human I mean, warrior. And yeah. um, it's definitely, definitely worth it. Um, David Cross, it's so good to see you, and I'm so thankful that you were here. And thank you for fucking fighting the fight and also being hilarious all the time. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thanks. You know my next guest, he's a comedian and actor. You've seen him on Parks and Rec and on Amy Schumer's new show, Life and Beth on Hulu. It's the one and only John Glazer. John, I'm super honored that you did the show. You were so hilarious. Uh, We have been in COVID hell. And I know Mm. that um, you have just been super cautious during COVID. And your act was so hilarious. The experiment in you showing up in a mask and then... Mm playing your pre-recorded act and then being very animated as it just rolled was genius. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. You know, it was, I've really not been doing shows, you know, it's, uh, and not that there's, I, I've been asked to do a few. It's not like a lot and I'm not a regular performer anyway, but I still like getting out and doing shows here and there. Um, but I just have it to me, it's one of the benefits of being, at least for me, middle-aged in a pandemic, I don't feel like I got to get out and do shit. I got to do shows. I, I'm like, I feel like I've done shows. I'm not like <laughs> feeling like I got to, you know, I don't feel any sort of external pressure to like, I've got to go do stuff and stay relevant and have people, I, I don't give a shit about that anymore. Or let me rephrase that. It's not that I don't give a shit about that. It's just not enough that I feel like I got to go do shows. Right. You know, I have sort of lived that life and done tons of shows and you know the comfort level is just not there for me i've just heard too many stories of people actually doing shows 
whether it be comedy, whether it be going to see bands. You know, Yola Tango does their big. Do you know about their Hanukkah shows? They raised $15,000 for us for one of their shows. Oh, fantastic. We were one of their charities. It was so cool. Yeah, those shows are so fun. And I've done so many of them. And I really wanted to do it this year. I really did. And I just, you know, honestly, if I had thought about this mask bit, I would have done it. Um, But I really just thought of it. I, I did a there was a fundraiser for my daughter's school a few weeks ago, and this was my kind of compromise to go. It was at a really well-ventilated place. It was mostly outside, and even inside, the doors were all open. It's a big place. so. But I thought, oh, this is this could be kind of a funny bit, and it was, and I really enjoyed doing it. And I actually have to say, I'm glad that I did it. It was fun to do a show. It was really, I didn't want to bail on this particular show because it's a fundraiser for an important cause and all that. And if I really truly felt that uncomfortable, maybe I would have said, "Ah, I just can't. I have this other bit that I've done that I came up with years ago where I actually literally had to cancel last minute and I felt really bad. So I wrote this really stupid apology letter that's got all these dumb jokes in it and I emailed it to the people and... (laughs) <laughs> and I printed out that same jet ski photo. And that that's part of that apology letter bit. And then there's also supposed to be like a six foot party sub that ends up being a foot long because they got the order wrong. And I thought if, if need be, I can always send that for this show. But it was more fun to do it live. And yeah, and then it's a fun bit. So Well, we were really appreciative. And I have to tell you, when you were... Uh, I'm sorry that those of you that weren't at the show did not get to hear it. It was so great. But when you were talking about, I want to do a jet ski show on a jet ski with people (laughs) on jet skis. I have to tell you that last year I did, I built a stage on the shore of a lake. So, and I had people in kayaks were my audience. And I, it was because I live part of the time in Minnesota and it was so cool to do it and just people canoed, kayaked up. And then they, (laughs) and I'm just had this like janky stage and Christmas lights and and shot it and it looked really beautiful and people had a really fun time. And it was like, you have to be able to make it work because even if you only want to perform a little bit, being able to enjoy that for yourself, I think is key. So I want to say doubly thanks because I know that like you haven't come out a lot, but having said that, talk to me about why abortion like matters to you to the point where you're like, I don't do a lot of shows, but I'm doing this one. Well, it's huge right now, obviously, you know, it's, and sadly that it's become this, um, you know, it's, it's such an infuriating time and to be able to do something where you at least feel like you can try to make a tangible difference, I think is important. And this issue, you know, is extremely important to so many people. Clearly, like we were talking about before, it's it's not just a women's issue, it's a men's issue. And men should be vocal and people should, everyone should be vocal about this across so many levels. Just like the, the just faux religious bullshit that's going on is so fucking infuriating. And I mean, it's, it's really just mind numbing. The shit that's happening, you know, even to to talk about how this even transcends just the the issue at hand, like the whole notion of like Howard Dean did a weird scream and that killed his political career. Right. And now it's like, what the fuck? Like now you can just uh, have an insurrection and get elected again. Yeah. Or a Supreme Court justice's wife can have. Here's literal text messages that we have. Here's proof. 
Like, what's the fucking delay? Get that motherfucker off the... Like, how is he allowed... Like, it's just so fucking insane. So, you know, whatever. It's, uh, it's... It just feels unprecedented right now, and it feels extreme, and it's not even hyperbole to say it. I know. It's true. And, you know, what's so interesting for us is, like, I feel like our side has been terrible at creating ways that men can be supportive. So good dudes Mm -hmm. are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to, like, I don't know how to show up for this because, like, no one's ever, like, helped me be there. Where the other side is the men lead the organizations, speak for everybody. And so what I loved about this show so much was that it's like men just doing what they do and allowing allowing the women folk. But, you know, the people with uteruses (laughs) to like talk about it and just to have the presence of y'all there is really cool. Um, So I just want to say that it matters. And I also want to say. I've interviewed every one of you from the show and the proudest I feel about having you in my life in some capacity is that not one of the men said, I care because I have daughters. <laughs> like <laughs> I did not have one dickhead have to understand the humanity of women uh, only until they actually sired one. And that was like, we got the right guys for this show. <laughs> And I am so psyched. But here's the question I want to ask you that I asked everybody. Now, now I just wish I would have thought of that for the show. Like, I'm only here because I got a daughter. Let me make that clear up front. If I didn't have a daughter, I'm not here tonight. Like, just some I never even thought shit. of women till I had a daughter. I just thought they were weenie garages. I'd just unload in until they'd give me a daughter. Turns out. Oh, Jesus. I know. Oh, God. But we were yeah. talking, like, in, in how abortion and birth control benefit men. And all the guys, uh, when I asked this question, all had the same answer. So I'm going to see if you do. In the course of all your relationships, because we all know you're a player, uh, oh, how many times I did wish. you actually yeah. consistently pay for birth control? Hmm. Aside from condoms, because we know men, men pat themselves on the back for buying condoms. Take condoms out. Did you split the birth control? Or did everyone you were ever going out with just pay for birth control and nobody talked about it? Yeah, I don't think I ever, beyond condoms, I don't think I ever paid for it. Wow. Those are the cops coming to get you, if you can hear them. If you can hear the sirens. It's true. And like, yeah, this wow. is like a universal thing where... Come on, I bought the rubbers. Come on. <laughs> the fuck? Like, fucking gotcha bull oh my daughter's actually in the next room she's probably hearing <laughs> me like doing this like bit why is my dad like yelling? it's crazy Ugh. because when i talk to women about it we just let it happen it didn't occur to us to say hey why don't we split this 50 50 because right. it's kind of expensive let's go um, dutch and like fugal <laughs> sang was the only dude who was like i actually always offered and i was like of course you did you were raised by nuns like what the fuck <laughs> um But yeah, so it's, I always say like, if men are wondering how they benefit, it's like all that extra cash that you had laying around that you didn't have to fork out for birth control. That's why I used to pay for the dinners. That's why I used to pay for the dinners for my dates. Come on. They reap the benefits. I don't even like this bit. This is just gross. I know you're really committed also, uh, which is, which is wild. So what would you say to guys? Cause you know, sometimes men say no to us. 
when we asked to do benefits, what would you say to dudes? Like, as they're like, if you were to say, Hey, don't you think it's our responsibility because. Well, first I would say like, why, what's your hangup? What's the problem? Like, what is, is there a fear there? Do you worry how it's going to reflect on you? Like, I don't understand that. Like, I feel like it's every, it's everyone's responsibility right now to be vocal about this and listen, I, I would, you know, do some men say no because they don't feel strongly about the issue? Like, to me, it's just, I don't know. It just seems too important right now. It's an important issue regardless, but right now especially, it just feels so extreme and dire the direction this country is headed. I mean, the religious, and I always say faux religious because it's such bullshit. It's such a fucking embarrassing joke. Yeah. I don't even get it. Like the shit with Trump holding up the upside down Bible and then these two guys, tell us just your favorite Bible verse. Oh, I can't really uh, pick one. Well, just pick one. Just any of them. Yeah. I don't like, it's just, everything is so fucking full of shit. So it's yeah. just, even if you feel like, all right, I'm a little ish iffy on abortion. And if I should do a show, like how about just, it transcends that to every fucking thing that's going on here. If it'll make you comfortable to do a show, like it's so beyond that. And just how like women's bodies are being like, everything about it is insane. And how could you not want to i don't know it's a really tricky thing because even with social media i totally get and i have a tough time with it you know posting about stuff post not posting about stuff like when i see comedians that don't post about these things i understand there's a need to have a break that we all need a diversion from these things it's important and some people make that choice i have a tough time not because I feel like it's just frivolous to just hear some funny behind the scenes things from a thing I did. Like, who gives a fuck? Right. The like, world's not on right fire. now. Yeah, like, it's okay to pepper that in there. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to necessarily fault people for that, but put in a little something besides that shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just seems, and it's tough because I have a lot of friends that I've had to mute because it's just non fucking stop, what I would call garbage. And to not see anything else, it's it becomes really tricky because it it really feels like extreme dire times, and it's it's um. But whatever, it's tough. Like I'm also thankful for like the kitty cat puppy videos in my feed and the nature shit, where it's like, okay, thank God, I just need a break right now. But it's too. Imp I don't know. For me, it's just too important to not. Yeah. And I was glad I could take part in the show, and I'm glad I could actually physically be there. So are it we. Also, it was so it great. Felt, well, thanks. It, it felt good to actually just do a live show in general, and then it felt good to be there for that particular. And you were in good yeah. company, you know, and I think it's interesting what you were saying is because if you're weighing out how it's going to affect your comedy, you know, what should I say? How's that going to be? I often just say, no one's going to let you do comedy if we all don't speak up against this fascism. Like there ain't going to be a place to go do comedy. So how about if we're all in this together on whatever level you want to be in it, but be in it, it shows a solidarity uh, that a majority of people actually will stand up against fascism. Yeah. It really doesn't seem like the time to be on the quieter side right now, you know, right. and it's, that's at least how I feel. And, yeah. you know, I was really like, as far as social media goes, really aggressively posting like angry shit. And it also part of me felt like 
this is just a good release. Like it's probably going into the void. This is a lot of probably like-minded people. It's just going into this echo chamber and all that. And I would have people unfollow me and I don't care about that. But I at least feel like I still, and I've really backed off just for my own like mental sanity. And it's just, un, it's at some point, I also feel bad saying it's unsustainable. But it, it, yeah. sh- it, it, what if it's, it, it, you might not have a choice. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's so many really good and probably better outlets to get that information, but I still want to at least contribute. I've backed off a little bit, but I haven't stopped and I don't think I can. Right. Well, I also think too, and, and I think I'm going to let you go on this one, but people love your work and your work is also really fun and, and complex and, and to be able to step out of your work to say, I'm a human being that believes these things helps your fan base to also want to think about things in a different way. And I think that that's crucial. And so I'm going to say thank you for not backing down because we need you, John Glazier. Well, my pleasure. I'm glad I could take part. And thanks for including me. And You're uh, welcome. I'll be knocking at your door again. Shows. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. And uh, if there's a link for that canoe, sh- the kayak show, I want to see it. Oh, I'll send it to you. There is because yeah. I did the second half of the show. Actually, it was crazy. So I did it in that September of election year. And then I realized I'm doing a show that doesn't have an ending because there's going to be an election. So I did the second half in Minnesota in 19 degree weather outside and people were sitting around fire pits. I love yeah. that. I'll send it to you. It's it's nuts. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, Cool. My friend, carry on with your day. Stop swearing in front of your daughter. You're a terrible father. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Don't apologize to me. Apologize to her. I'm going right to her room right now. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks a lot. Great to see you. You too. I want to thank all of these incredible gentlemen, let's say their names again, John saying Dean Obidala, Josh Gondelman, John Glazer, Dave Hill, and Mr. David Cross, be like these dudes. Step up. If you don't know what to do, you can go to aafront.org slash volunteer, and we have a list of ways that you can participate. Thank you so much for listening. We are here for you during these dark days to navigate all of the insanity that is happening, and we want to be a reliable source of information. We're here every week, every Friday we drop new episodes. Just know that we got you. Hey, if you like the pod, subscribe, write a review, give us five stars. It's the way that this podcast can reach more people. And by reaching more people, you're helping people to learn about what is going on with this assault on abortion access. To keep up on all the latest repro news between episodes, you can follow us on social at Abortion Front on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. FBK Live is edited by Remy Tournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front. And if you want to talk to us, email us at podcast at AA Front. We want to hear from you. If we read your letter on the air, we'll send you a shirt. And again, one of the biggest things we're doing all year, mark the date, July 17th, with all of us panicking about what you can do, AAF has a plan. After we march, after we cry, after we write anyone who's ever been elected to anything, we must have a sustained plan to protect abortion access. Join us at operationsaveabortion.com, sign up, and know that we have a training day plan. It's not a march, it's your marching orders. So sign up again, operationsaveabortion.com. And while you're there, grab some merch! Plus, we have a Patreon. That's right. So if you like what we're doing, 
and you want to support this great content and get cool FBK merch, pledge at our Patreon. All pledges support this podcast and all of our activism at Abortion Access Front. Remember, Roe is burning, and together, we can put this fire out. You can make your pledge at patreon.com slash feministbuzzkills. So, that's a wrap. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. Y'all are awesome. Till next time. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front.